You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's a new way to lead off your Sunday with conversation, unique perspectives, and your thoughts and questions on the Hometown Nine. It's Twins Today. Swing and a miss on a changeup. That was masterful pitching from Jose Barrios. I know they know I got a great curveball, so they're looking for. That's when I was the unbreakable. Twins today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. It's hard to believe that was 15 years ago. Right? Time flies, but uh, you know what? I'm in a new role and I'm enjoying it. Thanks, Derek. Which thought am I? Did I make the top five? Now, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Hello and good to be with you. This is Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. This is a new show about the Minnesota Twins, Twins Today. We're going to be here every single Sunday of the baseball season. 10 a.m. to noon is where you can find us. We're leading up to the Adina Realty pregame show. And today I'm so excited about this show because we've got some, some fun guests, some of my friends. And I'm looking forward to some listener calls as well. If you'd like to get connected with us, we're going to start taking calls around 1130. I'll throw out the number throughout the show so you can uh, write it down if you don't have it committed to memory already. That's 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226 to call us and get your thoughts off about the Twins. Uh, really, anything you want to talk about. I think we might have a question or two about the extra inning rule in baseball this year. Um, the, the purpose of the show, we're just going to have fun talking Twins. Promise you I'm not going to hammer the extra inning thing too much, but of course we're going to talk about it today. As I mentioned, tons of great guests. Glenn Perkins coming up. Dan Hayes, who covers the Twins for The Athletic. Toby Gardenhire, new manager of the St. Paul Saints. It's a loaded show, and we're going to have some fun with it. We start today's program with five thoughts, five Twins thoughts, sort of recapping the week and getting us caught up for Sunday's action. Let's start with thought number one. Number one. No balls in one strike. The big right-hander ready and delivers. Swing and a ground ball to shortstop. Kim has it. Friendly hop. Throw to first. That is a no-hitter, and that is history. Joe Musgrove with the first no-hitter in Padre history. April 9th, 2021 at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. The kid comes home, and he gets it done. You know, everyone dreams of getting the chance to, to throw a no-hitter. I've never even thrown a no-hitter in my life, so my first one came today on this field. Um, it's awesome to be able to, to have a B in a Padres uniform and for it to be the first one for the franchise. That's, that's incredible. Super fun. Padres get their first no-hitter on the books. Uh, local kid, of course, Joe Musgrove. Uh, it had me thinking back to last year's bid for a no-hitter from the Twins. Kenta Maeda took one into the ninth inning against Milwaukee, but Eric Sogard had other plans. Uh, his single broke it up, but that didn't uh, diminish for me anyways the fact that Kenta was amazing that night. It was super fun to watch him with the fastball command, the little split change and slider. Uh, set a franchise record, as a matter of fact, for eight consecutive strikeouts in that game. Um, I'm kind of wondering when the next Twins hitter will be. Will it be Kenta Maeda? Would it be Jose Barrios? Uh, would it be somebody that you wouldn't expect? Because I think if you lined up the Padres starters, you wouldn't have picked Joe Musgrove first. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll officially renew the no-hitter watch. And uh, it was just all kinds of fun across baseball to see that happen. Um, 
I loved that it was a guy who who had ties with it his first year as a Padre, and they finally, finally, the last team in Major League Baseball without a no-hitter now has a no-hitter. But let's bring it back to the Twins. Let's go Twins heavy for the next four thoughts, starting with thought number two. Number two. Nice roar of the crowd. Danny Barrios ready. First pitch is a strike. Let's see if Jose kind of will tip his cap. He does. Standing ovation as he departs here at Target Field. Nice job, Jose. Listen to the fans. Listen to the fans. <laughs> Very cool. I won't belabor this point, but fans back in the stands at Target Field, even if it's in a limited capacity. I'll tell you, I took in Saturday's game from the press box, and you can tell it's not full, of course, but... It is very different being in an empty ballpark and being in a ballpark with 10,000 cheering fans. And I watched the Jose Barrios moment on TV as he came off the mound and tipped his cap, a nice gesture to the fans. Um, I've been encouraged by how much I've heard players and managers talk about it, it, it's not just lip service, talking about the fact that it's really energizing and it's a very different environment, a different atmosphere to play baseball in front of that electricity. So I won't belabor this point. I would love to talk with, uh, we'll get a Twins player on later this show to talk about what, you know, the difference in environment and what that means and what that does to a team. But uh, from my perspective, just as, a, as an observer of the game, uh, just it's a lot better when the product also includes fans. So welcome back, fans. Uh, hopefully more in the not-too-distant future. But for now, thought number two is just that. It's great having fans back at Target Field. Let's move on. Number three. And the 1-1, a fly ball, well hit, right field and deep. Back it goes, deep it goes, a rise with a home run. Touch his hands, and then I say, Nelly, give me a little pat. Give me a little pat, and then I think he give me a lot pat for the homer. And then, I mean, Nelly, Nelly's like kind of my dad. He loves me a lot. Everybody loves him because he gave me a lot of energy. Uh, energy. So, and then I touch his hands and say, hey, Nelly, give me something. Give me something good. And then, I mean, I got the homer. <laughs> he did get the homer. It was great. Luis Arise there on the clip uh, talking about how he asked Nelly to give him a little pop. Touch my hand. Give me a little pop. And he apparently gave him enough to get it out. Luis Arise winning a game with a home run earlier in the week. Uh, Nelson Cruz also helping to win a game with his legs. Would not have uh, picked it going in that direction if you made me guess uh, last Sunday, but here we are. That's baseball, and it's all kinds of fun. Uh, Cruz legging out an uh, infield hit, and Twins were successful overturning the call. The umpire must not have given him enough credit for his wheels down the line, and turns out after replay review, he did beat it out. Jorge Polanco then cleaned it up, and uh, the Twins win a nice ball game. It's, uh, it takes all kinds of different contributions throughout the season. I don't know how much uh, the power is going to be a part of Arise's game, but it also bears mentioning that, one, he's got great command of the strike zone. Like, he, he knows it's a strike and what's a ball. It almost reminds me of Joe Maurer, where if he ever disagrees with the umpire, you question if the umpire was right. Yeah, he's got that kind of eye at the plate. If he can add some power into his game and on top of those elite uh, contact skills plus plate discipline... Uh, I mean, wow. Uh, even without uh, regular 
power arise has been a fun hitter so far in his young major league career and so it was fun to watch him uh, poke one out there and then give cr- credit to Nelson Cruz for just uh, rubbing off some power on his hands that was that was a, a fun one and uh, I'm glad that he was having some fun with it too um, I, I want to speaking of uh, well Cruz is kind of a poster child for this on the twins offense but for thought number four I want to talk about uh, a stat that we should be paying attention to that the that the twins are acquitting themselves well in so far this season. Let's go to thought number four. Number four. That ball's crushed to left field, and there's a no-doubter right there. Way gone to left field is Nelson Cruz. Adds on to the Twins' lead, now up 7 to nothing. Wow. That was 116 exit velocity. 116 and 418 feet. 116 exit velocity is a base hit just about every time, and when you can get it up in the air, uh, that's what homers are made out of. So Nelson Cruz uh, hit that one there, and uh, I wanted to introduce just quickly, we we won't uh, hammer the point here because we do have to get in some of these great guests today, barrels. Barrels is a metric uh, tracked by StatCast MLB. If if you want to look into this, it's Baseball Savant that you can search. And the Twins, as of yesterday, coming into yesterday's ball game, they're first in the American League in barrel rate, the the rate at which their batted balls hit the barrel. Now, what that stat tracks, it's not actually does it touch the little uh, sweet spot, as we call it, on the bat. It's did you hit the ball? It's, I think it's 98 miles an hour is the minimum threshold. If it's if it's above 98, it has a chance to be a barrel. The other thing that you got to do is you got to hit it in the right. Uh, direction. So in this case, I'm talking like above a line drive, uh, more of a fly ball, like Nelson Cruz there. If you get it up in the air a little bit and you hit it 116 miles an hour, this stat tells you it's a really likely home run. You know, stay fair and all that. You got to do that too. But the Twins offense so far, uh, you can track runs, you can track home runs, you can do it in all kinds of different ways. I think one of the best ways to say, are they, do they have a good process? Are they doing what they need to do to score runs and win baseball games? And they were leading the American League in barrels, meaning they're hitting the ball hard and they're hitting it in the air. So that's going to be a fun stat to track. We can dive more into it maybe even a little bit later. I know Glenn Perkins is a is a stats guy, and maybe he can uh, help lend his wisdom from a pitcher's perspective of, of, of what barrels can do for tracking your success as an offense. But I just wanted to point out that uh, the early goings of the season here, number one in the AL, in barrels, barrel rate, the Minnesota Twins. Let's move on, thought number five, and then we've got to get to some uh, some fun guests here later this show. Thought number five. Number five. Here's Byron, big guy, big run at second base right now. Byron 0 for 2 with a walk and a stolen base. He swings and launches high and deep to left center. Back it goes, deep it goes, and gone. A 1-1 pitch, a swing and a fly ball, right center field deep. Back it goes, deep it goes, and gone. Buxton homers to right center. 2-0 pitch, a swing and a fly ball, left field deep. Back it goes, deep it goes, and this game is tied. And a pitch. Hit high in the air, left field. This is a no-doubter. Way up and go. Byron Buxton is fourth home run. He now has seven hits, all extra base hits. Nothing cheap about that. 
Nothing cheap about that. Indeed, some great calls there in addition to some great home runs from Byron Buxton. This is incredible. It's an incredible start to the season. There's no two ways about it. I'm pulling up the league leaderboard right now as we speak because I believe Buxton now qualifies. He's got enough plate appearances per game to uh, put himself on these leaderboards. He does, and... I wouldn't have believed this, I think, if you told me two years ago. Buxton had put together some nice runs, and of course it's early here too, but this power looks for real. It looks incredible. It's been impressive to watch. As I sit here in this chair right now, Byron Buxton is leading the major leagues in slugging percentage, 1087. Number two on that list is uh, Nelson Cruz at 1,000. Those are the only two players in Major League Baseball with enough plate appearances to qualify with 1,000 slugging percentage at this juncture in the season it's I mean it's amazing can he keep it up I don't know what numbers he'll he'll land on but I wanted to point out that in in years past when Buxton his most full season he hit 16 homers in just a little bit more than 500 plate appearances but if you want to go back and and look at at rate at like hey how how often is he hitting home runs and and if you multiply that out to a 600 plate appearance season let's just say well last year was pretty good for him too he hit 13 bombs and 135 plate appearances i know you can't just uh multiply that out and say he would have played a full season in that 60 game shortened weird uh you know pandemic impacted season but that's that's in the 50s for home runs that's that's chasing 60 home runs over a full season. I'll slow down here before I start uh, promising the world uh, that he's going to hit that many homers this year. But I just think that it's fascinating that at this stage in his career, as he's entering sort of his athletic prime, scary to think that uh, he wasn't already in his prime in terms of an athlete. But uh, Byron Buxton, he's putting it all together. We've seen it in center field. We've seen the wheels. We've seen stretches where he's a monster at the plate. And that's what he's looking like right now. This is as impressive a stretch as I've seen for Buxton in the power department. And, uh, yeah, if you're a Twins fan, long may it continue. So that's uh, that's five thoughts. There's plenty more meat on that bone. I'd love to run some of this stuff by Glenn Perkins as well as he joins us 1030. We're also going to get a Twins player. I understand Kyle Garlick is calling in. Later in the show, we're going to talk with Dan Hayes, who covers the Twins of the Athletic, and a conversation with new St. Paul Saints manager, Toby garden hire uh, if you want to get your calls in you can always reach us we'll take some in the, the second hour of the show probably 11:30 and on 651-989-9226 we'd love to hear from you um coming up next we're going to do a little segment we like to call radio revisit talking with a fan from the stands you're listening to twins today more baseball after this on news talk 830 wcco Welcome back, Twins. Today, I'm Derek Wetmore. We're out here at Target Field getting ready for another ball game. Uh, this is Radio Revisit, the segment of the show where we talk with friends from around the game. It's uh, We'll pull a radio sample from earlier in the week, kind of relive some of the fun. And this was one, when I heard it, I knew we were playing it on Sunday's show. It's so good. This is Linda Weens. The, uh, it comes to the ballpark, listens to the game, Corey and Danny on the broadcast, and Here's a conversation with uh, the incomparable Dan Gladden. Special guest, Linda Weens joins us. Linda, longtime season ticket holder. How many opening days have you been to, and how special is this one going to be? I have been a season ticket holder for 34 years, and I've been to 33 of them. I had to miss one because of an Easter concert that I was part of. This is probably 
the greatest because we didn't have a season last year where we could attend. But it's also the one I'm the most nervous at because I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Linda is a season ticket holder. She sits down in front of uh, Kyle and myself, and you keep score. I do. And, uh, who, who introduced you to that? I grew up in a farm in North Dakota, and my brother and dad always listened to the games on the radio. We had no TV at that time, or at least they didn't cover the Twins games. So in order to hang out with them, I would listen and play. I was the youngest. Roger, my brother, was 13 years older than me, so it was just to spend time with him, and I kind of osmosis some of it. And so... We would just talk about the game a lot. And then when I moved to the Twin Cities and decided to become a season ticket holder, I thought, let's just learn to keep score. Um, my sister joins me for most of the games, and we just taught ourselves. Do, do you listen to the games when the Twins are on the road, and do you keep score? No. I used to, but not anymore. But what's an odd thing that I do is I turn on the television to watch, Ouch. but I mute them, and I listen to you guys. But i got to say, you're 10 seconds ahead of the... The, the TV? Yeah. Yeah. But but so be it. But you elect not to keep score. Correct. Okay. Well, uh, do you have a favorite part of Target Field? This is such an iconic ballpark here, and you, every player loves to come here. That They list it as one of their favorite ballparks. You know, for me, it's just the experience, especially that very first time in 2010 when the ballpark opened, stepping down for the first time and smelling the air and seeing the divine green grass and just looking at them down there warming up, and it, it's just awesome. Linda Wayne joins us behind the batting cage. What was it like coming in? I mean, I'm getting choked up. What was it like? <laughs> Coming well, in today. I was a wimp. I decided to park in ramp A. I usually park and walk outside, but I thought, first of all, I don't want to be late for this date. <laughs> but it was just exciting. You could just feel just the energy in the air, masks or no masks. People are excited to be here. Was the transition coming into the ballpark smooth sure. and effortless? Absolutely. Yep. It was easy. Do you remember your first baseball game you ever attended? And, and I'm not, I don't mean maybe a little league game, but a, a major no, league No, it, it would have been at the old Met Stadium. And I should remember, I was out in left field, and I can't remember the player's name. How pathetic is that? White or Ford, somebody like that? That was my uh, first game. I should know, but I don't. Please cut th this there, out. I think there was a Dan Ford that played for them. I feel like it might have been him. As a kid growing up, was it the Minnesota Twins that was... Uh, your favorite team growing up, or was there another team? No, I would say the Twins, just because they were my brother's favorite team. How many games did you go? You said you've been a season ticket holder for, what, 34? Yes. How many games you, you of course, remember the Metrodome? Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> After attending games, just randomly sitting in center field in the general I want admission. our listeners to know when I asked that, she winked, winked. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in 86, when, we, when my sister and I moved here, we had attended so many games out in the center field, um, just in the general admission section, and thought, you know, if we're going to come to this many games, let's check into season tickets. So for 1987, we got our first full year of season tickets. How convenient. What a timely year to do that, and eh? You, I take it you did get to go to all the games? Absolutely. Obviously, then that got you stuck Oh, yes. being a baseball fan. I was a baseball fan before that, but that's for sure all that, all that it takes. Did you play baseball or softball as a child? That was not an opportunity for us in small rural North Dakota. Other than towards the latter part of my high school years, they did have um, Little League and whatever the next level up is called. Do you have a favorite food? At the ballpark here. Probably pretty boring with a brat. With a brat? Yeah. How about now the opener here with some of the protocols 
in uh, ordering your food uh, on your phone. Are right. you looking forward to that? Sure. We'll give it a whirl. <laughs> I like face-to-face -face interaction so much more, but I'll, I'll get used to it. I can make adjustments. <laughs> I got to ask you, and this is uh, Corey and myself. We sit up here, and we know what foul balls look like <laughs> when they come up here. I have a glove. You are in foul ball territory. You keep score. You don't bring a glove with you. Why not? I don't have enough hands. I'm listening to the radio. I got to keep you guys engaged. I've got a pen in my hand to keep score. I'm left-handed, so I'd have to. It, it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. By the time I'd get the pen down and the glove up, the ball would have passed me by, as they do as anyway. They do. <laughs> do you have a plan? Do you, do you go through a routine to where, if this ball does come up here, I, I'm going this way? Or do you do the I haven't really the thought about that, but you know, when you think about if you encounter a bear, you just need to make sure you run faster, faster. than your than your yes. cohort. Yeah. So I would say my cohort is usually my sister Nancy. I'll just maybe push her in the way so she gets hit before I would, or I'll just duck and not <laughs> tell her. You know, I'll figure it out. You can do what Corey does, and he says his shoelace always comes untied when that <laughs> ball comes up here. That's good too. Do you, or you uh, wait until the the ball stops rolling, rolling. and then pick you pick it up. It up. And the lefty delivers. Fouled off. Look out. Linda! Our friend Linda. Got it. Boy, she moved quick. Oh. Buxton souvenir, Linda. And you know what? She picked it up just like Corey Provis would. Let it, Let it sit stop. there and yep. pain-free. Yeah, and then pick it up. Uh, <laughs> how many games you come to a year? 81 ball games during the season? Yep. Um, it used to be I had enough interested partakers that we would probably only go to 40 or 50. Okay. Now we're pushing 60 to 70, but it might be closer to 60 this year. Yeah. Do you have a but I'm soon to retire, I hope, and then yeah. I'll go to all oh. 81. Do you have a favorite moment here at Target Field so far? You know, Joe Maurer's last game oh. was a very, very emotional one. I know it hit you guys. Yeah. Um, I think we were all very choked up. This is a, a, a Corey question, but do you have a favorite twin now? on this uh, 2021 team? You know, it's really hard to limit it to one. What if I were to just say the team? whoever's wearing a Twins uniform? <laughs> um, I mean, you, Buxton is just hot oh, out of yes. the cage. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And you can't, you can't pass on Ostadio and Arais. Oh, my gosh. How excited And how about Berrios' first game? Holy Hannah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite twin all time? I would okay. say Harmon Killebrew would have to be right up there yeah. for me. Are we done? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> As we thank Linda Weens and uh, thank you. Enjoy the game today. I sure will, All especially right. now that this is over. <laughs> Great stuff, Linda Weens. I had a ton of fun with that. Especially, you know, you don't have to run faster than the bear. You just have to run faster than the person you're with. Uh, I'll try to keep up with the person I'm with after this break. We're back with Mike Check. Glenn Perkins joins us next. Three-time All-Star Glenn Perkins, and we're going to try to get a Twins player from the Zoom Room. That's coming up next on Twins Today here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back, Twins Today. It's Derek Wetmore, and welcoming into the show for uh, Mike Check. He's now a Bally Sports North analyst, but uh, you know him better as a uh, longtime Twins closer, three-time All-Star, Glenn Perkins. Glenn, welcome to the show. 
Mike's there we on go. there. Now it mic check. Now we're on. Hey, thank you for having me. It's, I, it's, uh, it's my it's pleasure. good to be here. It's my pleasure. Good to see you, too. Thank you. Yeah, it's yeah. good to be back out of Target Field. Uh, I should have told you about the microphone. That's my fault. I don't want the listeners to think that you're some sort of amateur. You are now a professional <laughs> broadcaster on Valley Sports North. Yeah, but I, I go down there, and then they hook me up to all the wires, and... <laughs> I sit down on that set, and now that fans are back, uh, you know, people walk by and they want to say hi. And Chad Greenway stopped by on opening day. Okay. He was going out to his his uh, porch out there, the, the gray duck porch. Yeah. And I texted him after. I'm like, man, sorry, I couldn't like get up and say hi. I had to like awkwardly wave at him because I don't know how to do any of this stuff. They just they hooked me up. I'm like, I told him like I'm basically strapped to a chair. I, I don't really. Honestly, don't really know what I'm doing. You just talk just a little baseball. That's look at all the good. camera and, and, and pretend like I'm talking to somebody. So it's well, uh, but it's been it's been fun and it's it's awesome. I mean, last year we, we did our we did the the road games. We were here. Yeah, yeah. And so we, we were the only people in the stadium. There was like four people and a cameraman uh, in the stadium. So it's awesome to be back out uh, down the first baseline with fans walking around and and it kind of has the the vibe back which is good yeah super cool and i want to ask a now current twins player uh we'll welcome in kyle garlic to the show kyle uh thanks for being with us and what is it like playing in front of uh fans again now that uh baseball has started to welcome some people into stadiums well yeah thanks for having me guys but uh yeah, it's it's awesome feeling to have fans back in the stands. I know last year was a little bit of a crazy year, but um, yeah, it's nice to get some uh, real crowd noise in there. Yeah. Kyle, uh, you had you had an opportunity to play uh, with the Dodgers and the Phillies in the last couple of years. Coming to the Twins this year, it seems like you are kind of establishing yourself into a role, uh, mashing left-handed hitters or left-handed pitchers. Sorry, how has that been? How is that different for you being able to come to the field, kind of knowing like, hey a lefty's pitching, I'm going to be in the lineup. Is that an easier adjustment to make maybe than showing up and, and wondering if you're going to play or maybe getting an opportunity later in the game to be able to just come know you're going to face that left-handed pitcher and be able to prepare that way? Yeah, definitely. You know, it gives me a little confidence knowing that I'm going to be there and be in there against those left-handed pitchers. But um also gives me a little bit, you know, more time to establish a routine and everything so I, I know when I'm going to be playing and I can kind of base my workouts and prep work around that. Well, you mentioned, too, uh, being part of a like a, kind of a regular player, and uh, Glenn Perkins is with us here, too. I know, Glenn, you kind of went through that. Like, as soon as you sort of had a role, as soon as you sort of knew what you'd do come into the park, you've talked in the past, Glenn, about, about how that gets easier. Um, what are you starting to do, Kyle, as you uh, try to work into a routine? And I'm, I'm sure it's a little different with all the COVID protocols and everything that you have to do this year, but what – what things have you learned and added into your routine as you try to get ready for a, a big league game? Uh, well, the biggest thing that I, I've been doing this year is, um, you know, trying to work a lot on my my spine. Last year I had a oblique injury that kind of took me out of the last couple of weeks of the season. So I did a lot of stuff in the off season to try to recover from that. And now in my prep, I've been doing a lot more like T-spine rotation and stuff like that, trying to make sure that my hips are all good and ready to go. And I, I think it's kind of helped my swing become a little bit more consistent, you know, allowing my body to work the way it's supposed to be working. Is that something you did before Minnesota or have the Twins kind of uh, connected you with some of that stuff? Um, a little bit in the off season, I was working with a physical therapist that helped me out. And then I got with the trainers and strength staff here that we kind of formulated my own routine here that I can kind of do every day, you know, either before my workout or before I go take some swings in the cage. 
That's great. Well, last question here, and we'll let you go, Kyle. Thank you for your time. Uh, Kyle Garlick joins us uh, from the Twins Zoom Room. I I can't let you get away without asking you the tough question of, do you like the extra inning rule, putting a runner on second? Uh, Personally, I mean, I do and I don't. I like that it does speed up the games a little bit. I know people have been complaining about that, but also kind of takes away from, you know, the history of the game and kind of just the – the old-fashionedness of the game, you know. So uh, I do and I don't, but uh looks like it might be something that might be here to stay for a while. So, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens in the coming years. There you go. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate your time. Oh, thanks for having me. That was Kyle Garlick joining us from the Twins Zoom Room. Glenn, I have to ask you, because it's on the lips of a lot of Twins fans today, that you throw a runner on extra innings, as I think I heard Rocco Baldelli describe it last year, as putting your thumb on the scale, you know, trying to make it easier to score runs, of course, to make the game go quicker. Kyle mentioned the time of game. I wonder, too, part of it is a holdover from uh, the, the pandemic season of 2020, trying to get guys to not have to throw, you know, 300 pitches in a game as a team. Yeah, and I, and I get it. Um, I, I mean, there's a couple ways to look at it. For me, like, speeding up the game, they're trying to speed up, like, the, the actual, the nine-inning game, right? Like, right. it's not maybe as much Pace about, of the game. let's not make this an 18-inning game, and I get that. That's not a good thing. It, it seems to me that there's got to be a little bit more of a compromise. I don't know how much thought they put into this. In, in that you, you play nine innings, baseball's built on endurance. It's built on depth. Yeah. Um, and you you lose a little bit of that. And I, I've talked to a couple guys. I, I talked to Justin Morneau the other day about it. It doesn't seem to me that, that you know, the, the, the Twins play the Tigers in extra innings or the Twins play the Mariners in extra innings a hundred times. I, I don't think they lose very many of those games in a true extra inning format. Sure. Because they're deeper, their bullpen is deeper, their lineup is better. So over the course of time, I, I think that they they end up prevailing. So then you get to put a guy on second base. I don't think I don't think we just saw Taylor Rogers yesterday throw one inning, uh, one two three. Nobody had a chance. Right. He's been very good this year. Mm-hmm. Yada yada yada. I don't think he gives up a leadoff double to to whoever's batting. <laughs> uh, you know. So then all of a sudden you have that guy on second base. And, and you and you make one mistake, he bobbles the, the the bunt, and then you have first and third. So I, I mean, it, you know, maybe maybe you play a couple innings, and they say, all right, now we got to end this thing. Sure, maybe you I, go I'm, twelve, I, right? I, yeah, yeah, you know. And but honestly, for me, I think if they're going to do that, just end the game after nine innings. Don't even play extra innings, and go to a go to a NHL format where you, hmm. where you have t- where you have ties and and award each team a point. You get two points for a win. Do something like that. It it, it, it that I'd be fine with that. I'd feel better about that than what they're doing now and I would also I think ideally maybe for me it's just do it after like the 12th because it's gonna end the game pretty dang quick yeah I just don't like seeing that but then again you can go back and you can say well look at if 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 Alex Colomay doesn't take too much time trying to to field that bunt and throw to first base and let uh, Crawford get safe at first and then doesn't hold him and lets him steal second Mm -hmm. then the twins don't give up a run that inning and then in the in the bottom of the eighth, they score runs, so they're up three two. And then now Taylor Rogers comes in the game and closes the game in that thing. So it's one of those things like, yeah, you know what, that umpire, that bad call in the ninth inning, you could say, oh, that cost the team the game. Well, you know, maybe it was the fact that, you know, like yesterday, the Twins didn't, they had one hit after the third inning or whatever. Sure, sure. Or so you there, know, there's a lot of factors that play into the to the way the Twins lost yesterday, more so than. MLB putting a guy on second base. That's right. To start that inning, so you can look at it both ways. I I just I don't like. 
that they do it immediately in the 10th inning. Yeah, and I was going to say, uh, you know, we'd be talking about this, whether the, the Twins record in those games was good or bad. I, right? The Twins are, I think I heard it yesterday, 5-0 and in baseball games and 0-3 on penalty kicks. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and like... so it's, you know, I, I get it. I get that they're trying to change some things. I get that they're trying to avoid blowing through bullpens, and especially, you know, they have the alternate site, but there's no minor leagues right now. There was no minor leagues last year, so you don't have that normal depth that you would have. So I, I get that, and it's still, this is hopefully going to be a full season, a full slate of games, all those things, but it's still not it's still not what it what the game was 2019 and prior, and so they're trying to figure some things out. They're trying to make different things work. It's. I hope this this extra anything is a work in progress. I hope that this isn't just what they're going to do from now on. Too- I, I I hope that that they'll continue to try to adapt and adjust and, and make things right. Toothpaste is out of the tube this year, though, right? Uh, well, Kyle, yeah. Kyle, I mean, it's they're not going to go. They'll never go back to just playing straight up extra innings and playing a twenty inning game. That's never going to happen. You've had again. games decided in part because of this rule. Correct. You, you can't go and say like, oh, okay, well now from July one and on. Yeah, we're going to open up the game, and we're going back to the regular yeah, rules. Yeah, no, I mean, I think for this season, this is what they're doing. Yeah. I'm talking more. I mean, there's a CBA up. they, they yep. got to come to a new agreement after the season. I'm is sure this, this is going to be something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's going to be something that gets brought up. We'll see. Yeah. You know how all those things shake out, but I don't love this current rule. And, and that is, honestly, that that's aside from the fact that the Twins have lost all three of their games right. in – I keep wanting to call it overtime. I watch so much stinking hockey lately <laughs> yeah. that I keep wanting to call it overtime. But extra innings, that that you know, that 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 aside, I, I can understand why fans are are upset, and I'm a fan of this team as well. But just from from more of a, a of a, a logical perspective, it it doesn't it really doesn't make sense. We got to decide if we're calling it overtime or penalty kicks or shootout. Or yeah, what, what it this doesn't. Do. <laughs> it honestly, it doesn't feel like extra innings anymore. No, because playing an extra. Well, inning. All of a sudden, it's like it's 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 like this pressure is on the pitcher and the defense sort of boom automatically well yeah so. and I, like i remember watching some games last year and like you know like buck would be up with two outs and nobody on base uh like in the ninth inning I'm, or the tenth thing i'm like hey just get out man because the next inning you get to yeah. go on second base like that's almost a guaranteed run like we can put byron on second like just get out here steal you know, third pu- and somebody lift a fly ball it, somewhere it, to the yeah, outfield pu- punt on fourth down and then hope you get the ball back and <laughs> You know, it, so you get yeah. I mean, put Buck out there, whatever. But oh, that's great. It, it's it's a little bit hokey, but they got to play under the rules. I think Rocco said that after the game that these are the rules that are in place, so they got to try to do uh, a better job of of having some success in extra innings. There you go. That's the voice of uh, three-time All-Star Glenn Perkins, and I'm Derek Wetmore. This is Twins Today. We're going to continue with a little bit more baseball talk, talking about the outlook for the 2021 Twins season. Uh, coming up after this on Twins Today, driven by Mauer Auto Group. More than cars here on News Talk 830 WCCL. AL5, NL3, two outs, bases clear. The 1 0. Swing and a bouncer to the right side. Ought to do it. Kinsler up with it. Over to first ball game. The American League wins the 85th Major League Baseball All Star game. 5 3 the final. And Glenn Perkins closes it out. Wow. Why did Joe Buck say that with so much? Glenn Perkins closes it out. Like, what is he doing out there? Uh, That's the voice of uh, former Twins closer Glenn Perkins, who happened to close out the 2014 All-Star game on this field in front of us here at Target Field. Uh, The voice you're hearing now is mine, Derek Wetmore here, the host of Twins Today, and we'll be with you up to noon uh, leading up to the pregame lineup card. Brought to you by Edina Realty. This is Twins Today, brought to you by Mauer Auto Group. 
more than cars and glenn kind enough to lend some more time join us for a second segment here on the show and kind of want to open this up we talked a little bit of uh overtime shootouts penalty kicks whatever we're calling this extra inning rule in major league baseball kind of want to look at just the team on the field because despite the fact that they're oh and three in these extras glenn this is a really good team on paper. I think they got a chance to do some damage in the American League. They are a really good team. I, the, the depth in the lineup, I think, to me, is is as good as it's been in a long, long time. Um, you know, you look at when you when you get to put Luisa Rise ninth, right? Um, you know, a guy that I think he's he's gotten on base almost half the time this year. Um, it, that just it goes to show. You know w- w- what kind of depth they have, and that's and that's without Josh Donaldson exactly. right now. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of talk about how this team is built to, to beat left-handed pitching, and and they put a hurting on Marco Gonzalez the other day. Um, they just they wear you down. It, it it I don't want to put them in the same class, but there was some Yankees teams in the in the late 2000s. I I don't know whatever 2000. Seven, eight, nine. There, where it just seemed like you know that they've got they were aging guys, but they've got these guys that have experience and time and power and and all the ability batting sixth, seventh, eighth. You know, yeah. and you've got Miguel Sano. Uh, every time you know he's hitting a hundred this year, but every time he gets up, you have to be careful with him because he can't hit a ball out of the ballpark. You make a mistake, and he's going to hit it hard somewhere. And he's batting seventh in a lineup. And, and you know, you you can talk all you want about what Buxton's done and Nelson Cruz and, and these guys at the top, but the, the way this lineup stretches out and then to have to face a guy like Luis Arise at the bottom of the lineup, that's going to probably make you throw, you know, six to ten pitches in a net bat. It, it wears <laughs> down a starting pitcher. There's no break. You don't get that mental break of like, okay, this guy's a little slapping guy. I, I don't need to worry too much about him. And, and, then you go to the, and then you go to the pitching where you see Mike Pineda yesterday. Um, you know, it isn't flashy, but you blink and it's the sixth inning and he's giving up two runs. Yeah, there you and go. he does that every time out and that's your three guy. And Matt Shoemaker been hurt the last couple of years, but had a, a, a few very good years with the Angels. Uh, you know, throwing 160, 170, 180 innings, uh, quality innings. He's your four, and, and the, the the depth that they have in that rotation, their bullpen is very good. It, it's a really well built team. Yeah, and then with a couple guys at the top in Jose Brios and Kenta Maeda that can go out there and shut a team completely out you yeah. know Jose Brio struck out 12 guys and I think didn't give up a hit uh in, in six innings Couldn't in his first him. start so it's you know you, you kind of have a little bit of you have the consistent guys that are going to go out there and give you quality innings, and you have some guys that can shut down an opposing lineup in, in the playoffs and that's really I mean you know we're whatever eight games into this right. season <laughs> and we're talking about I, October I, but that's that's it's awesome that that's where this team is at yeah that you know that they're going to be there in the end in early April. Well, and it, we should. So you, you just you, you get this get the schedule played out. Like, I want to see what yeah. this team can do in the playoffs. Exactly. I mean, I'm going to have fun getting there, like watching this team, you know, try to go take two or three every single time they face somebody. Uh, we should say, too, you mentioned the lineup, and you, you touched on Josh Donaldson. I believe he's doing some workouts over in St. Paul t- uh, today and tomorrow maybe, uh, just working his way back. Uh, it wasn't a calf issue that uh, we all saw him round first base and hop a little bit, and I think we all had the same exact thought. Yep. Just, oh, seriously? You know, poor guy, but uh, just a hamstring. And uh, the Twins are talking, at least, Glenn, optimistically, like he'll be back in. And 
I know it was 2015, but that guy's got an MVP on his resume. Like that's a big bat and a huge glove to add back into this equation. It is, and that's and that's a, a, something that I didn't even touch on is is the defense. Yeah, and, and you yeah, talk yeah. about you know Jorge Polanco is an, an upgrade over a rise at second base, Agreed. and they bring in a, a platinum glove guy in Andrelton Simmons. They they have Byron Buxton obviously in center field. You want to be strong up the middle. They get to put Josh Donaldson, a, a Gold Glove caliber uh, third baseman, over there. They just got they got to get him healthy, man, and it, it, you know it, get him and, and Byron in the lineup at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you just that, that's where you you start to push out. Like when you look at the lineup and Josh Donaldson comes back, you say who who's got to go because it, it's really difficult. And we just talked to Kyle Garlick, who they brought in just to hit left-handed pitching. And has done a really good job so far. Yeah. Um, you know, and so when you have to make those tough decisions, that's how you know that a team uh, has a chance to be really good. When, when you can't really make an easy decision on, on who to, to boot from the lineup. Um, you know, but it's it, with Josh, I, I'm sure he's frustrated. I, you know, there was a lot of talk about what he's done in the offseason and what he does before games to prepare. Mm-hmm. You know, and he hits a ball in the gap in his first time around at first base, he pops his hamstring. So it's, I'm sure he's very frustrated. It'll be good to get him back in lineup. He only played half the games last year, too. And so I'm excited to see him, hopefully, for a stretch of time so fans can really see what he's capable of. We have seen it with the bat for Byron Buxton already. Uh, now he's qualified for the league leaderboard, so he is therefore leading the majors in slugging percentage. Number two is Nelson Cruz slugging 1,000. So uh, that tells you how the Twins lineup is going right now when those two guys are going good. But this, Glenn, a lot of people have circled as kind of the year for Byron Buxton. Uh, are, are you seeing that as a distinct possibility? He stays out there for, you know, 140 games and puts it all together. Yeah, I, you know, and, and for him it's just it's getting a stretch of games where he can stay healthy. It, 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 this game is so hard, and it's so hard at this level. And, and the, you know, he's starting to get at least a, a cumulative over the course of his career enough appearances. And I think he's starting to decide or starting to become what he wants to become yeah that I think for a long time he kind of got put in this box as a as a really fast runner so then you have to hit the ball on the ground and try to get on base and he maybe isn't that player maybe that's not what he wanted to be and that's not where he's comfortable so now you put him fourth in the lineup and let him try to hit the ball you know out of the ballpark let him hit the ball in the gaps. Feet. And, and that and that's okay like and the bonus is then when he grounds a ball down the third baseline he's on standing on second base it's unbelievable and and, and so those things can still happen mm-hmm. but you know maybe his approach at the plate isn't to try to hit the ball on the ground and hit the ball the other way that he that he needs to go up there and be aggressive and be in that mindset and I think they've let him do that and, and then you couple that with the fact that he's out there on, a, on you know hopefully going to be out there on a more consistent basis you only get more comfortable and that's how this game works you get an opportunity if you can take advantage of that opportunity and just continue to build on it day after day. Really what ends up happening is he doesn't go up to that plate thinking, i got to try to find a way because this is going to happen or I don't know if I can hit this guy because I've struggled against him before. That was the change for me that it became, you know what, I'm facing Miguel Cabrera, but Miguel Cabrera doesn't want to face me. Right. And right. so you, 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 you flip your mindset to saying – you know what, this guy, this pitcher's really good. He doesn't want to face me. Sure. So then that gives you, you know, that gives Byron more confidence. And, and and there's just, there's been a change in his demeanor, I think, where it's not trying to fit in. Yeah, but, okay. But just trying to be great now. Like, it's it's just, a, it's been a complete flip for him, the way he carries himself. And I I think the way, you know, he, he did a post-game interview the other night uh, on, on TV, 
and after they were cheering, you know, doing the MVP stuff, you know, and, and, and Marnie had said, did you hear that? And he goes, yeah, I did. You know, when it wasn't, yeah, but it's early, sure. you, know, eh, you know, but like it, it was, yeah, I did. And he kind of had that smirk like, I want to do that. I did hear I that. I want that to happen. Right. I want that to happen all year. Yeah. You know, and, and that's and that's the difference, uh, you know, and, and I think you, you, we talk about a guy like Josh Donaldson. That's how he is. Man, yeah. he carries himself with a swagger yep. uh, that I'm better than you, and that's okay. Right. Because this game is hard, and you have to think you're better than the other guy. Yeah, it's, you, it's a team game, but it's all one-on-one battles. You're not coming in saying, oh, i got to face Corbin Burns tonight. This guy's nasty. You're coming in saying, Corbin Burns does not want to face Byron Buxton in the batter's right. box. Right. Corbin Burns doesn't want to hang a, a curveball to me. He doesn't <laughs> no. want to throw a fastball over the middle of the plate to me. <laughs> yeah. It and, takes and, time. And it, it, Yeah, and that's that adjustment. If you can make that mental adjustment, it, it, it goes a long way. This game is, is, is so mental and such a drain on, on – on your mental uh, stability, sure. And if you can overcome that that hump, that's the biggest difference between uh, successful major leaguers and, and guys that have all the talent in the world that can't put it together. Is what's what's in between your ears? Yeah, Glenn, I really appreciate your time coming on today. People can catch you on the Valley Sports North broadcast. Um, we're gonna have a ton of fun this season, and uh, it's I'm just I'm looking forward to this season unfolding in front of us. So I I thank you for joining us on Twins today. Sounds good. Good seeing you, Derek, and uh, thank you. I'm sure we'll talk again. Yeah, that is the voice of Glenn Perkins, three-time All-Star. I'm gonna keep saying that, Glenn, if that's okay. Introduce you in that way. I assume that's fine with you. <laughs> I guess that's that's that will always be me. So that's yeah, okay. Technically okay true. You got a star downstairs. So there you go. Uh, no, it's a lot of fun uh, talking Twins baseball with Glenn because Glenn is one of those guys who just thinks about the game sort of on another plane. Uh, all these guys are smart. That's something that I have learned to appreciate, of course, in my time covering the game. But, uh, yeah, Glenn really brings it to another level. So catch him on the broadcast today. You can always see him on pregame there. Uh, we're going to have plenty more in the second half of the show, including – talking to Twins fans. If you guys want to call in, I want to talk to you. 651-989-9226 is the number that you can call. That's going to be at uh, 1130 or so. I'm also welcoming in Dan Hayes, who covers the Twins for The Athletic. And coming up on the other side of this, we are going to talk with new Saints manager, Toby Gardenhire, of course, the son of uh, legendary Twins manager Ron Gardenhire, a man who needs no introduction. Uh, talking with Toby about Saints and the Twins partnership and everything going on there and uh, his new his take on this new role. That's coming up on Twins Today and more baseball here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. Once again... Live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Welcome back, Twins Today. I am your host, Derek Wetmore. We're going to be talking a little bit of St. Paul Saints baseball this segment, and I'm super excited to welcome in a special guest to the program, the new manager of the St. Paul Saints, Toby Gardenhire. Toby, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Absolutely, Derek. Glad I can uh, join you guys. Well, we're all looking forward to the partnership between the Twins and the Saints, certainly your involvement. I, I want to ask you, first of all, uh, you get to catch a f- special first pitch for the home opening day at Target Field. Your dad, obviously, legendary Twins manager, Ron Gardenhire, um, throughout the first pitch, you got to catch it. What was that moment like for you? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty special. You know, he uh, he spent such a long time with the Twins, and, you know, every the Twins mean so much to my dad, so... 
Um, I know coming back and being able to catch the, or throw that first pitch was pretty cool. And me catching it was just a bonus. You know, it was just – it was a pretty neat experience. Not everybody gets to say they get to uh, do an opening pitch on – or, uh, you know, a first pitch on opening day. So it's a pretty cool deal. Slightly different vibe in the ballpark, I suppose, than a, than a typical home opener. But I think a lot of people, Toby, were excited about fans back in the stands for the first time in more than a year. Uh, could you kind of feel that buzz in the ballpark as you stepped onto the field? 100%. I mean, we, you know, the players and the coaches and everything, we're excited about getting fans back in the stands too. You know, I, I, I'm, you know, I know the people love coming to the games and everything. We love having everybody at the games. It makes it a whole, you know, it's not really baseball without it. It doesn't seem so having the fans there, watching everybody, you know, seeing the, seeing the board, watching the kids dance in between innings and stuff like that. It was, it was pretty special. It's really nice to have everybody back. Very, very cool, and I definitely want to talk to you about this upcoming 2021 season with the Saints. Um, and and you know, Josh Donaldson sounds like he's going to be doing a little work there early. You're going to have a lot of exciting players under your watch this year. But I want to start for listeners, if I could, Toby, with your start in the Twins organization. You know, obviously we mentioned your dad's connection, but you know, you were involved in the Twins organization on your own merits too. Talk about, I guess, how did that come to be that you? got to become involved with an organization that you, of course, knew very, very closely. Yeah, you know, I got, well, I was a player with the Twins. I got drafted uh, in 2005, and I played all the way through 2011 was my last year in AAA. So um, when I got done when I got done playing, uh, I started coaching, and I, I got right away at the University of Wisconsin Stout. So I was head coach at the University of Wisconsin Stout for, you know, four years, I think it was, five years. Um, uh, called me. Matt Style was the minor league director at the time, and he called me a couple times actually and asked me if I had any interest in coming back and coaching. And you know, it just kind of worked out. And I just I I took the opportunity. I went down and coached in Florida a little bit, and then you know, been with the Twins ever since. So 2016 was my first year back with the Twins. Been back with them ever since, and everything's been going great. It's really it's really special. It's cool for me because you know, growing up with the Twins, I was I've been a Twins fan since I was you know this tall. <laughs> there at all the world series games you know so i've been in and out of the clubhouse my whole life so now getting a chance to work there is it's pretty it's pretty neat now you had a unique playing career um similar to maybe it's similar to your dad i heard him joke on the broadcast yesterday kind of uh self-effacingly saying that uh, his playing career was short which allowed him to get a head start on coaching um (laughs) just being modest because you guys have a lot more hits and drafted more than uh, most people listening to this program including myself uh you know, what was that playing career? How, how did that help you? You mentioned the job at Stout, but but I imagine there's some preparation that goes into it that somebody coming cold off the street you know, might not be set to take that job and run with it like you did, Toby. How, how did your playing career prepare you for your now managing career? Yeah, it helped a lot. I mean, first of all, my dad loves to throw that kind of stuff in yeah. there. He loves <laughs> He wasn't any good. He loves to talk about how I wasn't any good. You know, he just loves to say that kind of stuff. So that's not surprising at all. But no, it, you know, it helps out a ton. I mean, going through the organization, being a minor league baseball player for as long as I was, you know, you learn a lot and you, you learn a lot about, it's not just, you learn a lot about the game, but you learn a lot about how, how to, how these kids handle the different situations, like getting called up, getting sent down, you know, going over five, going over 20, all of it, you know, so uh, you know, you learn how, you, you know what these kids are going through. Um, and that's what I always try to think of is I, I try to put myself in their shoes and I've been in their shoes. So I know what they're, I know where they're at. Um, so I always try to remember that as a coach. It's like, you know, these kids have been through what all the stuff that they're going through. I was there too. 
They've got crazy expectations on themselves. They're trying, you know, they want to get to the big leagues more than anything in the world. Um, you know, and sometimes it doesn't work out and sometimes they're, you know, things don't go as exactly as they had planned. So being able to help those kids through that is that's, that's what I think my playing career I get from that. Super valuable because, uh, yeah, there's all different ways to connect with people, but if you can do that sort of firsthand experience, imagine that's got to be, be a big boon. Um, you, you spoke on some of the young guys that you've had. I mean, managing a couple of years in the low minors for the twins, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Cedar Rapids and Fort Myers, um, before climbing up to this, uh, triple a post now one, you know, one step away from the big leagues where a lot of guys there are, are hoping to, as voice of St. Paul Saints baseball told us last week on the show, most of the guys that play for the Saints don't necessarily want to be playing for the Saints, and that's not a bad thing. And I thought that's a great line because they're all trying, Toby, to get to that next level uh, in the big leagues. Did you have any guys that you had in the low minors that you're going to have again this season? Again, without speculating on rosters and everything like that, yeah. but you, you got some names that you've worked with in the past, I suppose? Well, yeah, we've had, you know, we had quite a few. Um, the interesting thing about the Saints stuff is that we have a lot of guys who have already been to the big leagues. Uh, I was looking at the roster the other day. There's only like six or seven or eight guys or something like that that haven't had any big league experience. Most wow. of our out there. And we have a lot of guys with quite a quite a bit of big league experience. You start, you know, when we get that opening day roster, people start digging in and looking at the, the name of the list and seeing like, what these guys have done in the past, you're going to see some pretty impressive numbers and some stuff that these big league guys have done a little bit. So, so that's fun. But uh, to the other side of that, yeah, I've had, you know, Alex Kirloff and uh, Trevor Larnick, um, Johan Duran, the pitcher, he throws hundred miles an hour. Royce Lewis, I've obviously had for a couple of years. Akil Badu who's with the Tigers right now. I managed him in Cedar Rapids. I managed him in Fort Myers. So it's pretty, you know, not that I like seeing him beat the twins. I do not like seeing him beat the twins. But it's pretty cool to see him doing the things that he's doing up there, too. So I've, got, I've had a chance to manage a lot of these kids, and it's, you know, it's pretty fun watching them go through the system. I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard you taught him everything he knows. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> talented. But I, I will say this. When I watched him from a young age, I said, this guy's got a chance to be pretty good. So it's, he's fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, what a, what a fascinating story. We, we could probably talk yeah. all day about that kind of story in baseball. Or Rule 5 guy getting a chance with the big league club and really showing out here the first week uh, of the big league season. I, I want to shift gears, talk a little bit about this upcoming season, this St. Paul Saints season, their first in an affiliation with the Twins. And again, new Saints manager Toby Gardenhire is our special guest today, kind enough to join us. Um, you talked about some of the young guys and some of the big league experienced players that will be on the Saints roster to start the season, hope to then get back to the big leagues with the Twins or hope to climb for the first time to the big leagues. Uh, I imagine none more experienced than Josh Donaldson, who uh, has an AL MVP on his resume, and I understand is going to get some work in in St. Paul as he works his way back to the Twins this week, too. Yeah, that's fun. You know, it's always fun. Uh, I think we're going to get a chance to see that quite a bit this summer. Hopefully not too much with some of these guys. Hopefully Josh Donaldson spends most of his time over at Target Field. Um, but, you know, that's one of the benefits of having St. Paul there is that when guys need to get a few extra bats or something like that, they can send them across the street over to St. Paul and we can get them in the games and um, let them get some swings. So I'm thinking, you know, Josh Donaldson, you know, before we can get him back in the lineup over there in Minnesota over in, in target field, we can, we can get him some ABs over at our place this week. So it should be fun. Super cool. And I understand there's some, uh, a, a, a recent announcement about amenities at the ballpark, making it a little bit more, you know, I mean, I guess I don't want to say big league ready because I haven't been over there since they made the updates, but I already thought CHS Park, well, uh, CHS Field, excuse me, was a bit of a gem over in Lower Town, St. Paul. 
and I understand they're making some improvements. What can you tell us and the listeners about uh, the, the, the updates as they try to make it a really world-class training ground for future major leaguers? Yeah, it's a beautiful ballpark to start with. You know, like you said, um, it's it's a gorgeous place. So I think more the the updates that they made, some of the stuff with the clubhouse, we carry a little bit bigger roster than what the Saints had. Um, just in minor league baseball in general, that's just what you do. Um, we also have a lot of, with our weight room stuff, there's a, there's, you know, there's a lot more, there's a lot more s- stuff that goes into it now than, than uh, what it used to be. And our weight room equipment has to be a certain way. Uh, you know, we have, we have, we have a lounge area where for these guys to get all their meals and everything. So they have special meal prep that they have to do. There's a lot of things that go into getting these kids to the big leagues. So trying to accommodate all that stuff, you know, we, they made a few adjustments and it. it is beautiful. The clubhouse down there in the batting cages and everything, they did a really nice job with all the upgrades. And I think that there's more upgrades to come Love as it. the year. So yeah. it should be fun. Yeah. Big league weight room, some videos, uh, which has become such yeah. a big part of the game. I mean, maybe even since yeah. you were drafted, like this is, this has become kind of all encompassing some of the video work and the analytics that goes into it's, forging yeah. big league ball players now. It's crazy. I tell the kids that, you know, if I'd have had any of this stuff when I was playing, then maybe I would have had a chance to get a <laughs> more hits. I, don't I highly doubt it, but uh, you know, because when I was playing, I was telling him, I, I remember seeing a picture. One of the fans gave me a picture one time of my swing and I took a picture to my hitting coach and I was like, hey, look at this. And we analyzed the picture taken by a fan, you know, because we didn't have video. So we didn't have anything like that. So uh, when I saw the picture, I was like, wow, that's what my swing looks like. Now these kids, they taken a bat, they walk into the tunnel. They got five computers set up. They got, you know, it's it's crazy. So that's pretty neat. All the technology is pretty cool. Yeah. How I guess just a, off the path a little bit here like what's been your experience with some of that stuff because you know in college ball I know that some college programs have been really forward on that what what's your uh, your history with any of the tech the high-speed cameras any of that stuff uh it's something you're going to be using a lot this summer I imagine what's your background we use a ton of it um have, you know we didn't have it at stout I'll tell you that right now but uh you know in the in the twin system we we've gone up and every year it gets more and more uh, technical and every year the stuff improves. Um, the technology stuff's pretty amazing. So uh, I don't I don't have a huge background with it, but not too many people do now. You know we're kind of learning on the fly with a lot of it. But uh, the Twins organization does a really good job of uh, kind of educating coaches as we go on how these things work and what we can get out of them. And we have some really really savvy tech people uh, that run everything and help us out with with everything. That's the way the game's going right now. And it, and I'll tell you it is very very helpful to help develop kids. Yeah. I read a feature profile on you in the Star Tribune that was written recently when you were announced as the new manager of the Saints, Toby. And I'm, I guess I'm just curious, what's your current relationship with whether it's Rocco Baldelli or the members of the front office from Derek Falvey on down? How does that uh, come together now being, you know, a real important part of preparing some of those future big leaguers? Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that the Twins have done a really good job at is that uh, communication part and the, the feel like family, you know, Derek Falvey and Thad, um, I know those guys really well and they, you know, they, they'll invite you over for dinner and they'll take you out and they're, they're just they're just good guys and, um, and that's part of what they want to do. They want everybody to feel comfortable with each other where you can talk to everybody. And, and one thing with the, with the big league staff I got last year actually was helpful for me with that because I got a chance to spend a lot more time with the big league staff than I normally would. I was up here in Minnesota at the alternate site. I was up here for the summer camp thing. Um, so I've got a chance to know Rocco really well and the whole big league staff. I think the, all those guys are my buddies. So 
you know, anything that happens at the ballpark, I can call those guys right away and they can call me if they have any questions. And it's just nice to have those relationships. It helps out. It helps out a lot with the working environment. That's fantastic. Well, we wish you nothing but the best this year. Toby, congratulations on your new position. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to the season. So I'm looking forward to having all the fans out there. It should be fun. Right on. Be well, Toby. All right, you guys too. That the voice of uh, new Saints manager Toby Gardenhire, kind enough to join us. And uh, baseball season in the minor leagues getting started a little bit later this year than usual. But what a what a great boon for the Twins to have their AAA affiliate right down the street, right down 94 there in uh, Lower Town, St. Paul, with the St. Paul Saints. Uh, we're going to take a break, and we are going to welcome into the show Stephanie Johnson next. She works for the Twins Community Fund. And uh, I do want to say, too, after that interview with Stephanie, we are going to be talking with Dan Hayes, who covers the Twins for The Athletic. If you want to call in, if you want to ask Dan any uh, pressing questions, anything on your mind, if you want to bug him about the extra inning rule, I'm sure he would welcome that. You can call him at 651-989-9226. That's the phone line. That's not his personal cell phone. Uh, but you can call us and get on the show, 651-989-9226, in the back half of this hour. You are listening to Twins Today on News Talk 830 WCCO. And right now, we welcome into the program Jeremy from the Mauer Auto Group, who sponsors Twins Today. Jeremy, I, I heard you're at the home opener the other day. How was that? Yeah, the home opener was awesome. It was a last minute. Uh, Jeremy, we think we you should go, and I got <laughs> to go, and it was absolutely amazing. And hats off to the Target Field staff and the Twins group. I mean, it was seamless. Oh, what a show. What a show. It was just a highlight to see, you know, to see the fans. That was really the highlight. To look around and see all these people out there enjoying baseball was just it was like a welcome home i've heard a lot of stories similar to that so cool to hear you had a great experience too uh so jeremy with the mauer auto group uh, you guys have had some pretty exciting specials coming into the spring what's what's new for april yeah and it's really nice chevrolet is really stepping up and we're really starting to make a, a statement to everybody so some of the new stuff we have going on right now is the percent off play that we're doing so we've got buicks at 18 percent off you know, and we've got Equinox up to 20% off. So those are the hottest brands right now. Those are the crossovers. And even if you don't want to do it with the 20% off, if you want to look into leasing, because when you lease vehicles, you get a lot more equipment for a much less payment than what you think you can have. So we've got three SUVs right now under $300 a month. And that's starting from the Encore, the Trailblazer, the Equinox, we're 249, 259, 289. And the best part about the lease, especially with the Mauer Auto Group, is you're part of the Lease Elite program. And what that program gives you is all of your maintenance is covered for the entire term of your lease. So not only do you have a lower payment, but you have no maintenance costs whatsoever, and you're part of our family. Speaking of part of the family, you guys are working closely with the twins at the Maurer Auto Group and some charity involvement. Give me one that you're really excited about right now. The biggest thing we've done lately uh, is these, these cars we're giving to some veterans. Uh, we've teamed up with uh, the MACV organization. We've teamed up with Haven for Heroes organization. Um, both of those, you can go to their websites and donate to the project, but we're changing lives. You know, and that's really what we're trying to do is reach out to the community and really make a difference. And when you're a successful business, that's what that allows you to do. And we're reaching out to the community 
And it's just, it's awesome what's happening. These people are just so excited about it. And the first thing they can ask me is how do we pay it forward? Yeah, that's tremendous. Uh, you mentioned their websites too. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, Jeremy from the Mauer Auto Group, where can people find out about what's going on right now? Yeah, you can go to any of the Mauer websites. There's MauerBuickGMC.com, MauerChev.com, MauerMainChev.com. We've got it from the North Metro up in Anoka, down to South St. Paul, down at Immergrove Heights. Um, we've got you covered. No matter where you are, we can take care of you. And it's not about the price. You know, it's about how we're going to treat you. We're going to treat you like friends and family. And we're going to treat you like the way you should be treated when you're buying a car. It's a fun experience. You know, who doesn't like bringing home a brand new car? I've got a couple of friends this week that just got brand new vehicles that they brought home and their kids came up and, you know, they were coming up to me going, oh, Jeremy, I just love, I love my dad's new truck. You know, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's really fun stuff. And everybody, just a quick little, uh, keep your eyes out in June. We have a huge, huge event coming up. So watch our website, keep track of us. There's a big event coming up in June. In the radio world, that's what we call a tease. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jeremy from the Mauer Auto Group, thank you so much for your time today. We'll talk to you soon, all right? Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. All right, welcome back to Twins Today. This is Derek Wetmore. We are talking with a special guest today. Delighted to be joined by Stephanie Johnson, who works with the Twins Community Fund. Stephanie, thanks so much for taking some time to chat with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I wanted to get you on the show because we're celebrating a pretty special anniversary of the community fund. I understand this is a this is a big birthday. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the Twins Community Fund turns 30 this year, so we're very excited about the year ahead. We um, were founded following the 1991 World Series championship, the revenue that was made from Homer Hankey sales and some of the championship events that uh, happened around that World Series was used as the seed to start the Twins Community Fund. So while we're celebrating that anniversary of that championship team, we're also celebrating 30 years of our foundation's work. That's great. I did not know the Homer Hankey tie-in until very recently. Uh, what a great way to do good with a pretty cool idea and a fun thing for fans. Like everybody that was around at that time has their Homer hanky. And now I know that it, uh, it went to a great cause too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, um, it's kind of a, a secret that origin story is not often told. So we're excited <laughs> to kind of share that story this year. And, um, you know, like you said, everyone's got a hanky probably who yeah. is a Minnesota native has a hanky from that year stuck in a drawer somewhere. And they <laughs> can all know that they were a part of the twins community fund and the work that we've been doing. That's super cool. So I do want to get into like current day, but I want to stick in that 1991 foundation really quickly. Yeah. What was the original mission of the community fund? And I'm, I'm sure it's evolved over time, but maybe if you could talk about where it started. Yeah, so the Twins Community Fund was founded really to help lead the Twins philanthropic work and the work that the Twins um, do in the community kind of be a leader in that space. And over the years, as you said, we've we've evolved, but there's always been a root in um, using baseball and softball to bring communities together and make them stronger. So all of the work that we do is really rooted in that. And you know, some of our programs have changed over the years, the things like that, um, you know, the, the nitty gritty has maybe evolved in how we do that. But really, it's, it's always been about the belief that um, communities are stronger when um, baseball and softball and youth sports are a part of that. So what we really work to do is um, 
ensure that every kid who wants to play baseball and softball has access to the game, has the um, equipment that they need to play the game, has the resources that they need to do so. Um, and, you know, because we believe that um, youth sports and we're a baseball team, right? So we focus on baseball and softball, but that they can teach kids a lot and that communities are stronger um, when kids are involved in the game. Yeah. And now, I, you know, I'm familiar with that concept because I know that that helped me out in my childhood. I want to ask you, now that you are involved in it from this end, uh, play youth sports growing up and was that a big part of your life? Yeah, yeah, I did. I played, um, I was not a great softball player, but I played slow pitch softball in, in our uh, city rec league for you know, t-ball through high school. Um, and that was, that was great. And then I also, uh, played tennis and was a, uh, athlete. So, um, yeah, team, team sports and youth development has always been a big part of, um, part of my life and, and baseball has been part of my family for years. My brother was a baseball player. So I also saw how, what an impact the sport had on him. That's great. Yeah. Um, and now I don't want to minimize the financial component of this because I'm sure that's uh, that's significant. The Twins Community Fund uh, helping communities in that way. But I guess besides financial and providing some of this access to the game, what what else should we know about the involvement there with the community? What other things does the community fund do to, you know, achieve that objective you talked about? Yeah, for sure. So we have a lot of. Um, different ways that we do that. So over the last 30 years, we, like you said, um, if we're talking financials, we've spent more than $22 million to um, improve access to the game over the last 30 years and and help get more kids involved in the game. Um, And that comes in a ton of different ways. So one thing that we did, a lot of people listening maybe are familiar with our Playball Minnesota Youth Clinics. Those are free skill clinics that we have done every year since the twins actually came to Minnesota in 1961, they were started by one of our scouts um, just to introduce people to the game of baseball. And once the community fund was formed, that became one of our signature programs. So we hold 30 to 40 clinics across the state of Minnesota every year. They're free. They're really grassroots. Kids in the community can just come out to a park on a Saturday or something like that and learn the basic skills of how to play the game. They're fun. They're free. They're they're easy for anyone who maybe has some baseball or softball experience, or maybe are just learning the game in the first for the first time. We have a field for kids program, which provides grants to renovate or build youth baseball or softball fields um, across the region. And we have, um, you know, given more than $5 million in grants to um, renovate more than 850 youth baseball and softball fields across the region. So that's one of our big flagship programs. I hear from people a lot that will go to, Um, you know, their kids ball tournament and they'll see a plaque on the field that says it was renovated by a Twins Fields for Kids grant. And then we also have an equipment program. And this is something I'm really proud of um, too, because baseball and softball, a lot of times when you show up to the field, the bats are provided for you, the baseballs are provided by the league. um, But what you don't have, what a kid needs to bring themselves to the field is a glove. Um, And if you don't have that glove, you're kind of locked out of the game. You don't have the ability to play. So we do have um, every kid who plays in our Twins RBI League in Minneapolis and St. Paul, um, every kid eight and under gets a free Twins baseball glove um, every year to kind of provide, make sure that they have that access and they can, they can play the game. That's really cool. Yeah. You talk about the number of fields that you guys have helped 
I don't know, just improve basically or make accessible. And it's a big number and it maybe kind of gets lost on you. But I vividly remember when the twins spent money to update and, and sort of renovate Herbeck Field out in Bloomington, yeah. which was a big part of my childhood. And so it was really cool to see that that then expands across so many you know, hundreds of fields across Minnesota. Um, that's really great and hits yeah. home for me. Awesome. I, I should ask you too, that like that we're talking personal ties here. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what drives you doing this? Or maybe can you think of a, a moment in your career with the twins that has sort of, I, I, pardon the question phrasing this way, but like make it all feel worth it. Like what, what kind of has jazzed you up about this sort of uh, mission driven work? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. And I think um, I, one of my favorite parts of my job is that I get to um, have moments like that a lot, like working in community relations with the Twins Community Fund. Um, you you get to see the impact that sports can have on a person. And I think the thing about sports um, and the Twins specifically, but sports in general, is that they're a very personal thing. The relationship that a um, person has with their favorite sports team is very personal. It's very, um, it's embedded sometimes in your, in your soul. Like it, it might be a family thing. Like you've come to every twins game with your grandpa, or you call your dad after every game to recap what happened. Like it's a, it's a very personal relationship. And so to get to take, um, the twins out into the community and show that, people that we know you care about us, but we also are here for you. We are more than just a sports team. We, we are invested in you and your community and your well-being. Um, that's really fulfilling. Stories like you just told about, um, you know, renovating Herbeck Field and, and knowing that that was a field that you played on as a kid. And now the, here are the twins that are investing in your field. Um, you know, I think that's really really powerful. There are also, we have a, the Twins Community Fund has a program where we provide um, tickets to Twins games, to youth serving nonprofits and things like that. And um, getting to watch people come to a game, um, you know, have access to a big league ball game, maybe for the first time in their life um, and getting to see their player, their favorite players in person, getting to experience a big league ballpark, um, you know, and maybe what is going on in their personal life um, could be really difficult. They might be going through some really difficult circumstances. And so treating someone to a day out at the ballpark um, where they can just be a kid and just um, enjoy that time, that is a really fulfilling moment. And then um, I mentioned our glove program. This is, this is a program that I that I love very dearly, but one of my favorite parts of it is um, in the spring when we go out to this park, a park in Minneapolis or St. Paul, and we give out the gloves, we just show up and give and give out the gloves, but without fail, every single time we do that event, a giant game of catch breaks out. Like the kids get their gloves <laughs> and then they immediately want to play with them. And yeah. so even though the event is just show up, get your glove, go home, kids are out there for half an hour, 40 minutes, just playing catch with their dad or their friend or something like that. And that always to me is just really cool and um, just makes me smile because knowing that we're providing um, that resource to those kids and now that they have the glove, they can just go play catch. Um, that's always really fun. 
That's the voice of Stephanie Johnson with the Twins Community Fund. That's a great story. Uh, looking forward to the next time you guys are passing out gloves. That would be a lot of fun to see. Um, Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing your stories and sharing your time with us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Derek. I appreciate it. This is Twins Today. Back with more Twins Talk after this. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. I'm Derek Wetmore, and uh, we are. this is going to be a fun segment. I'm, I'm already looking forward to it. I should say here at the top that if you want to get your calls in, now's the time of the show that you can do that. 651-989-9226. That's the phone number to call if you want to talk Twins baseball with me and my special guest who covers the Twins for The Athletic. Welcoming to the program, Dan Hayes. Dan, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to that build up, but thank you. Well, I tried to I tried to do you justice. <laughs> Dan and I have been knowing each other a couple years now, covering the Twins together, and uh, you do a great job, of course, as always, and sort of a, a weird uh, spring training that led into this. But uh, let me start you off with the, the easy questions, Dan. Uh, what do you think about the new extra inning rule, and what do you think about A-Rod making a bid to buy the Timberwolves? Okay, first, the extra inning rule. Um, <laughs> we'll go with that first. Uh, I like it. I know it doesn't – I know I can understand locally why people aren't in favor of it right now, but I don't mind that the game is sped up. I do get it. it's anticlimactic and I, it's weird. Uh, Taylor Rogers also said something really poignant yesterday and said, look, we don't have to make two moves because we played 15 innings today. Yeah. And and yeah. so in the bigger picture for the health of clubs, look, I mean, they did this in hockey. They, they shortened the games. It's – they did this in college football. You know, obviously that can go forever, though, with the two <laughs> teams going back and forth. But yeah. um, it, it's not terrible. It, it, it's for the when you play 162 games. I don't think that it's a problem, given that it's with the health of players in mind. And we're lucky that it reverts in the postseason yes. to the normal rules. And so yeah. the real games that matter don't get affected by this. Uh, it would be cool if we had a point system, maybe like hockey, where you get <laughs> one for just going to extra innings, uh, just. You know, uh, that you know that that might not be bad. As far as that's great, uh, <laughs> star power coming to the uh, the Twins or to the uh, Timberwolves. So. Yeah, c- come in for who knows how long. I don't know anything about the story, but your colleague uh, breaking that news last night kind of a kind of a exciting story in Minnesota sports. That's for sure. Uh, I. Didn't actually uh, mean to put your feet to the fire there, Dan. I was just trying to give you the hardest question that I could possibly give you uh, coming up off. So the extra innings, controversial. And then I thought, yeah, what else could I do to drum up a little controversy here? So you handled it well. You handled it like a pro. Um, I I should ask you, though, too, because you wrote this great season preview article on the Twins and coming up. Um, we'll get to Buxton. We'll get to fans back in the stands. Those are things I want to ask you too. But one of the things that you wrote about was the the infield defense that the Twins yeah. have uh, really overhauled in a couple of years here. They went from the Bomba squad in 2019. Uh, you know, that change, that bet on defense seems to be uh, purposeful. You don't just do that by accident. That's, I assume, what you found in the reporting for that story there too. Yeah, they, they were looking to impact the team any way they could on the run differential. You always look to add runs or subtract them in somewhere or another. And at first they were looking for pitching. They wanted mm-hmm. Zach Wheeler. That didn't happen. So Josh Donaldson came along. And and so from him, you you put Miguel Snow at first base. Miguel Snow, we've you know, he's a he's a good athlete at third base, but we've seen he's not the best defender. And and to go from Donaldson to him was a huge upgrade. Um, and then you put Snow at first where he's actually looked pretty good in my opinion. Um, 
but then you go and get Simmons this year, and and that's a huge, I mean. yeah. <laughs> upper, we've already seen three or four plays in yeah. the first eight games, including the the big assist in Detroit to cut down the run at the plate. Yep. Um, but I, I think there's so much more that goes into it just from having that guy with the presence there too and the way he gets everybody on the same page. We're talking – look, it's been a consistently better infield defense. We haven't seen Josh Johnson in the field yet this season. Yeah. And, and I think we will see him maybe as soon as the uh, tomorrow or – I think he can come off tomorrow – or Tuesday, I'm sorry. Um, we may see him as, as soon as that – but they've already – you can see the difference with Simmons. Yeah. And I think Polanco being at second base, he's had a few hiccups here, but I also think he's played pretty consistently well there. And um, I just – overall, the upgrade should be lasting and something that really impacts them over 162 games. Saves their pitchers a ton of it does. pitches. Well, and it, you wrote about it too that it could save them in October uh, yeah. when, it, when it really matters. I thought that was a great lead to that piece that it's, you know – Jorge Polanco, uh, you know, a little stretch at shortstop. I think he gets more flack than he deserves at the position, but, but against to go the to Astros. A, to go to, elite, to, that's go to right. an elite defender from a guy who's probably at his best around average at shortstop. Sure. That's a huge leap. Yep, big, big leap. <laughs> I think it's so early in the season to be panicking on a guy. I know he didn't have a great shortened season last year and the big thing you wonder about with him is the strikeouts like frankly as a guy who's defended Sano's bat for as long as I can remember the strikeouts are too many yeah there, there's there's too many right now so obviously I'm not going to run from that but I think uh, Glenn Perkins was on the show earlier today and he said he's a guy in the lineup that you look at his numbers and if he's only hitting 100 you're still worried about it you don't yeah. want to leave that fastball out over the middle you don't want to let it leak over into the spot where he can do damage I don't know how long it takes Sano to sort of pull out of his slump or to make his numbers look better, but uh, I still wouldn't sleep on him if I was an opposing pitcher. Yeah, I think it was the pace was like 250 or 270 strikeouts last year, which is incredible, and it would be an that's all-time a, record. That's a lot. It is. He did have COVID, and, and he missed all of summer Before camp the last season, year. right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I wonder, I mean, I, saw, I, I heard enough from Yoan Moncada, uh, White Sox third baseman, who, by the way, has negative 11% body fat. And, and, like, <laughs> that guy is the most in-shape athlete ever, and he got it. And it took – he basically said he couldn't run the whole season. Like, it, he yeah. felt winded and fatigued yeah. all year. I wonder if that happened with Miguel, uh, how much of an impact there was. There was some talk about that whenever you could get FaceTime with people last year. Sure. Um, but he is a guy that takes a while to get going. When he gets going, there's nobody hotter. And, and, and that's what they live for. That's because, as you – like what you said, Glenn Perkins said – when he is a threat, uh, uh, when he is that constant threat, he is one of the most feared hitters in the league. But he is always going to be in the pitcher's mind as that sure. feared guy. He's hitting seventh or eighth in I the was lineup say, the whole season, too. We're not talking about the guy in the middle of the lineup. It, so it, it also helps when you got those big bats around him. If Byron Buxton's leading the world in slugging and Nelson Cruz is right behind him, I think yeah. he can afford a little bit more, more patience with some of your other bats. Absolutely. It's great. Uh, great stuff. Paul, thank you for the call. Thank you for listening. Uh, let's take a break here on Twins Today. We'll come back. I'm talking with Dan Hayes, who covers the Twins for The Athletic. Talk about fans being back at Target Field and uh, an early AL MVP candidate. I am going to ask him about that next. You're listening to Twins Today on News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back. Twins Today is the show driven by the Mauer Auto Group More Than Cars. Uh, I'm Derek Wetmore, and we're talking with Dan Hayes, who covers the Twins for The Athletic. Uh, kind enough to give us some time on the show, Dan. I said before the break that we were going to talk about an AL MVP candidate. 
there's no denying that what Byron Buxton is doing in a very, very early, very yeah. early, uh, is something that Twins fans ought to be awfully excited about. It, it's been so consistent, and he talked about the confidence. We talked to him in Milwaukee last week. Uh, just knowing that what the confidence and knowing he can hit the fastball can do for him and yeah. that it gives him time to wait on the off-speed pitches. Uh, it does it, it, There's not a ball he isn't hitting right now that is not just going everywhere. It's and not a weakness, right? There is not. And, <laughs> and last year was another weird year for him. I think he struck out 36 times, walked two. Um, and that that's not a ratio that's uh, – he had a 267 on-base percentage. Mm-hmm. It's not – you know, he, he somehow had an 800 OPS because of this – seemingly unsustainable 535 uh, slug or whatever it was last year. <laughs> it's like, how are you going to keep doing this? And then he comes out and kind of alleviates some of those concerns on yeah. opening day and walks twice. And, you know, he's been unbelievable. You can just tell, and it's got to be the fact that he's getting into his physical prime and now is experienced enough. I mean, look, we've seen him be great offensively the last couple of years yeah. when he's been out there. 19, he was very good. Uh, on the way to like an MVP type season there, but not like this. This is yeah. the different level. And last year, 13 homers and 130 at bats was really impressive. Uh, we saw some of this coming. This is this is different. This is next level. You say that, Dan, and it kind of it, it catches me, but it's easy to gloss over it. 13 homers and 130 some plate appearances. Yeah. You want to do the math on that, and I know baseball is not this simple, and you can't just multiply it out. Say this guy plays 145 games, 600 plate appearances, boom. But if you could snap yes. your fingers and do that, that's 57 home runs. I know. It's over incredible. a full season. Right. So what we're seeing this year is kind of a, a continuation. I'm actually I'm glad you brought up the confidence because uh, he, he mentioned to you guys, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but something to the effect of, yeah, I'm going to sit up there and I'm looking. I'm in the batter's box. I'm looking for a breaking ball yeah. because I know if a guy tries to sneak a fastball with me, I know I'm good enough now. I right. know I can hit that pitch. Right. It, Glenn Perkins kind of said uh, uh, earlier on the show when he was kind enough to join us that uh, they asked him on the postgame show, hey, Byron, did you hear those MVP chants? And instead of demurring or, yeah, you know, but it's early and I don't, he said, yeah, I heard that with yeah. a smirk on his face. Yeah. That to me says it all. He's a guy who's confident right now. Yep. And, man, we're we're really seeing it play out in addition to the great defense and speed. I mean, when you see him constantly in the fourth spot in the lineup, that tells you how much confidence they have in him. This is a lineup that features Nelson Cruz, uh, Miguel yeah. Sano, who has a better home run track record. Sure. And, and yet there's Byron following up Nelson Cruz and protecting Nelson Cruz. And, um, yeah, it, it really has been – dominant and impressive uh even yesterday that that little infield single and i turned to my uh colleague aaron gleeman and i was like this is gonna be a double jokingly and the sure. ball gets thrown away and he ends up on second base <laughs> i mean the power speed combo is is elite and we haven't even seen him get to use the speed because he's always at second base or on a, it's or it's a home run sure. we've not seen him use it as far as stealing bases because he's never on first Right, or or as yesterday's case, Nelson Cruz is in yeah. front of him on the bases. <laughs> hey, but you'll take that. Perfect double steal combo right there. You know they're looking at Nelson. They, <laughs> they might try to. T- <laughs> so Nelson might want to be the back half of a double steal, yes. not the front half. Yeah. You know, he's had those infield singles the last couple of days. That's right. He's, he's probably got some confidence in those those legs, too. So He's showing off his 40-year-old wheels, and I'm <laughs> impressed. Uh, it's great. And, Dan, i got to ask you quickly before we let you go, too. we got a couple minutes here left on Twins today before we hand things over to the Dana Realty pregame lineup card. Uh, 
the situation with fans coming back into the stands, everybody's very excited about that. And it strikes me as, as more than a cliche. Mm-hmm. You covered uh, what I'm calling COVID ball in 2020. Now, no, I did not. So, like, being in the empty sort of sterile stadium is uh, is another world for me. Having gone through that, covered that firsthand, and now, yes, there's still restrictions and protocols, and we're still being careful and safe. You and I are sitting far away from each other with our masks on here in the booth, but this is a, a world different from what we saw in 2020. What, what was that experience of, of starting to open things back up and like for you? you, you got used to it, but it's not something you'd want to get used to. Um, it was yeah. eerie. Okay. It was just strange last year. Forced noise, forced audio is not one. It's not going to help these guys. I mean, I, I listened to the uh, replay and of the no hitter, the final out of the no hitter there tonight for uh, Joe Musgrove. Joe Musgrove, yeah, yeah. And 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 what I love listening to is that audio of the fans. All right, balls in play. It's hit to short. Okay, wait, that's going to. So you hear the initial roar, like the anticipation mm-hmm. of it, and then it just builds and builds, and then the explosion of fan noise. Um, that was missing. It, it, yeah. Like they could try to replicate it all they wanted to last year, and everybody did a good job of trying to, but the players, they talked about it all the time, how just impossible it was to get up for games because of canned noise. There are certain guys that thrive on that. Mitch Garver is a guy that thrives on that. Okay. And he made it very clear. Hansel Robles is a guy that thrives on that. The Twins suspected his fastball would be back to the levels it was pre. Hmm. I looked it up there today. He threw 94.2 miles per yeah. hour at this fastball in July last year when games started. He's at 96.2 <laughs> right now. So he's gained two miles per hour off that that boost. And, and he was very clear that that was a big deal to him. Um, the people that are here, it might only be 10,000, 9,700, whatever. They are an enthusiastic 9,700. They yeah. want to be here. And, and they are making it as loud as at times what a 25,000 30,000 crowd would be because they're making up for it and maybe it's cuz they're equally sp- spread out who knows but yeah. th- th- it sounds pretty good it does and i guess i've always assumed uh, this is me showing my cards here i've always assumed that athletes or coaches managers had to say that yeah. they ha- i've always assumed they had to say totally. like oh yeah we love the fans here right cuz w- what are you going to say but this year dan has really opened my eyes to thinking no, actually, like what you just said, these guys m- actually do feed off of this, and it does make a difference on the field, the people being here in the stands. I even heard the Pittsburgh Steelers talk about it. They were 10-0, and 0, and uh, they were talking about slow starts yeah. and how hard it was to get amped up for the starts of games, which is so crazy to think this is football. You're about to get your head ripped off, and yet 80,000 people out there gives them some of that energy to take the motor to the next level. And I, I, I agree with you, but... We've seen it in some of these places where it's vacuums. I mean, the, there's that Tampa Bay Rays joke in here somewhere about what uh, what playing in front of no fans does, and I, I, I really do believe it. Just there's so much life. Uh, you can't un- – with 162 games, I think there's times, there's days they probably depend on it. Here's the joke. The Rays – went to the World Series last year because they had more experience than any other AL club <laughs> playing in front of no fans. Pretty much. Uh, I scripted that one. wrote right. that one beforehand. Okay. Read it off my Where, Where's the rim shot? Yeah. <laughs> we needed that. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for taking the time. You can find him on Twitter. Uh, Dan Hayes MLB is the handle, right? Yep. And uh, go check him out at The Athletic. He's doing great stuff covering the Twins. If you're not reading already, you should. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time. Hey, thanks for having me on.
This has been another edition of Twins Today. We're going to hand things off to the Dino Realty pregame lineup card. My thanks to Glenn Perkins, to Toby Gardenhire, to Stephanie Johnson, and, of course, to Dan Hayes for joining the program here. Had a lot of fun talking Twins today, and uh, as mentioned at the top of the show, they're 5-0 and in real baseball games and 0-3 on penalty kicks, but... Uh, Maybe they'll start to straighten that record out here and we won't be so concerned about it. Catch you next week on Twins Today, right here, 10 to noon on News Talk 830 WCCO. You have been listening to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.